keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Wrestle Roasts. I'm your host, Dan. I'm here with Robert Karpolis. I'm here with our producer, Zach. I'm here with Mike Lawrence. We will be joined by Scott Chaplin soon. But joining us today, special guest. He's hilarious. He's a buddy of mine. He's been on a bunch of shit. He's got a um, podcast called... Uh, God you were on it. it. Let's give it I a was shot. On it. <laughs> I'm trying to give I'm trying to remember <laughs> our shriek of Dan not making it through an open without fucking up. Continues. <laughs> Expert advice. Bad advice with bad advice. <laughs> it. It's so bad when, when you're, you're back so to so bad so. host with Dan St. Germain. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, Chris, thank you for joining. Thanks uh, for having me. Thank you for joining the show. You know, it's even like as I was saying that I'm sweating profusely, which you can't say because <laughs> of the shadows. So, I mean, it really like every single time I host, it just feels like a hostage situation. But <laughs> let's get to the 10 count. Number one. Wait. What was that? Uh, the fall from there being the fallout from there being no fallout, the exploding barbed wire deathmatch gate. I wanted to talk Ooh. about, well, Chris, we talked about, I, I want to get your uh, yeah. opinion first, because we saw the event on Sunday mm-hmm. and uh, so you know, obviously our opinion was, you know, uh, the explosion sucked. Sure. Uh, some of us liked the match. Some of us didn't. What, what, what were your thoughts? Uh, I liked the match fine until that, bastard ejaculation of the end of that fucking match but like i thought it was a perfectly serviceable better than most uh at least recent death match. you know it's not going to be anita or whatever but like it was just fine until that moment i thought my girlfriend did walk in while i was watching it right as kenny hit the ropes the barbed wire for the first time and she just went and walked out so maybe <laughs> even those explosions weren't the best but yeah, uh, i thought those were good me. but yeah, yeah. Uh, my wife was not impressed yeah, yeah exactly uh but yeah no i liked it i yeah well it's been now now we have like the benefit of like hindsight and also yeah. we have the we we have last night's dynamite i'm gonna go out and say it i you know what we're gonna we're gonna cover the whole episode dynamite later in the episode but you know, I thought they covered it. I, I really liked uh, I liked Kingston's promo. I liked Moxley's promo. I am I am the easiest uh, pushover on this podcast, but I I did I I thought that they that they covered that they were covered quite nicely. Um, what did you think, Mike? We'll start with you. You're right in the middle of the pack here. So uh, I thought, yeah, I mean. You know, Eddie Kingston, the sensitive thug, is such a great character where when he's like, I'm going to talk about social anxiety, like he always <laughs> talks like he's like the last assembly at your school. 
Like they couldn't get the first few. <laughs> you know, like he's always in the middle of a scared straight speech. Yeah. And or like was- the or like the gang member, you don't realize is great at Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, he has that. Like he's they, just they, waiting they, to be discovered by an inner city high school teacher. Yeah, they bring him, they bring him on to yell at teenagers on Maury Povich. That like that's his energy. But I thought it was like only he could pull off what he pulled off of. You know, this is what I live with. You could judge me. Uh, I thought Moxley was much more cartoonish, but still good. But I thought Kingston was on another level, and it made it great. And then the fact that the they paid it off with the heels capitalizing on making fun of them, that it wasn't just swept under the rug, but they embraced it. They made the best of uh, whatever situation that was. Robert, what did you think about this? As our, as our, uh, as our, uh, you don't know this, but Robert is secretly getting paid by Stanford to to give the official WWE line on every single topic. That, according to the internet, that's that's what's happening. Robert, what did you think? So when I was talking to John Laurinaitis earlier today, <laughs> congratulating him on his new job, he uh, you called that an explosion. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It was pretty great. Um, look, it was it was a colossal fuck up on the day that it happened because when you're doing a stunt like this. You, you do a run through. You, you do something for it. And the only reason why it, it bothered me at the they time. They did was, one, though, right? I don't know what they ultimately did or why this didn't work. But I think back to, you know, when I was there, we tested the smallest things to make sure they didn't fuck up. We did a bit with Lashley and Simon Dean where he was going to take Simon milk, which was muscle milk, and step on it. And we realized because of the way the bottle was pressurized, we had to gimmick the bottle and we gimmicked 10 bottles and tested it with different people stepping on it to make sure Lashley wouldn't look like an idiot. And this was a tiny little segment on a show. This is your big magnum opus that you've been building to. This is your payoff. And it didn't come out well on something that people paid money for. That was what was really frustrating and embarrassing because you wanted them to stick the landing. They were telling a good story. It had a great finish. And then this happened. The recovery for it, which I know we'll get to later, was brilliant. The way that Eddie Kingston went out there and, and took the bullet for it, it reminded me of, of all things, when Richard Nixon gave the, the checkers speech about when they, he got caught for stealing <laughs> campaign financing. It's like, well, we bought the dog and we're going to keep him. That was Eddie Kingston saying, you know, I could have been in Rikers and I started flashing back to that and I was paralyzed in fear. Um, they they did the best they possibly could from it, and, and that's uh, that's to their credit. Kenny is such a great video game heel. He just always feels like it's like <laughs> every single line is like you thought I could, you thought you could kill me, John. He always has like that <laughs> like that cadence that's like not human but not robot either. The thing um, is also Kingston can say anything and you believe it. Like, why weren't you at that show last week? I'm still grieving over the loss of Cicely Tyson. You know, you're like, oh, <laughs> I mean, she was a great actress. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, that's the one thing about like uh he'll be like, like Eddie Kingston will be like, I don't play video games like you, but then I'll have like a meme from like like one of like Batman Begins, and I'm like, you're not that far. No, he doesn't play video games like him. He just because he only still owns a Dreamcast. That's the only. <laughs> like, you think they I, ain't a, I ain't a fucking nerd like you? I'm a real professional wrestler. <laughs> Chris, did you think they covered it? I thought they covered it as well as they possibly could. I 
Mike nailed it. I literally have sensitive thug in my notes. It's exactly why that works so well. Like it doesn't, that company is so lucky to have Eddie Kingston for those moments, because I don't know that there's anybody else on the roster that pulls that off. That can go I out think there. Jericho and, could. I think Jericho could, but keep yeah, going. but even that would become like, he would have to try to sell it on a t-shirt afterwards and it would become yeah. annoying, like post the save. Whereas right. this is just going to be this one moment where he comes out, he nails it. You're he can, it, like the, the face turn for him still works. Like it was just, to me, it couldn't have gone better in the way that it had gone as possibly bad as it could have beforehand. You know what I mean? Right. I think the credit is that, but they were really smart on was you still got the payoff. You should have like, yeah, the explosion. Yes. Was supposed to be the payoff, but their friendship was the real payoff. And so you got to see them together. And I mean, it felt like they were writing off Moxley for a few months to go be a dad. And maybe they called an audible, but whether they did or didn't, I think it really was smart for him to actually not just do this promo, but be on the show, have a match next week. It's like, just wait a few weeks. Let's get this all resolved. <laughs> I just kept trying to figure out whose fire pit that was. Because I don't, I don't, it doesn't strike me that Moxley or Kingston would own one. Their indoor fire pit? That was weird. But also, I feel like that would, if anybody owns like a thing they can hurt themselves on in their living room, it's John Moxley. So that makes perfect sense. Well, in a, in a state where like you really don't have to pay much taxes, like they just buy all this ridiculous shit. As soon as anyone in Florida gets money, it's like, well, I have to have my work jet ski and my personal jet ski. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say I, this. I bought a fire pit and I bought Christian. So I have all this money. I, got to do. I was literally going to say, I think what they were filming in the hotel they gave Christian for the first five days of being in the company. But like right <laughs> now, he's like bunking with Brandon Cutler. <laughs> well, the thing is like Christian's the legend they could probably like give him the shitty food and he'll be nice about it. Opposing to, <laughs> opposing to big show. Who's going to just like, like curb stomp Peter Avalon the first time that someone gets his like pepper Jack instead of Monterey or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's funny. Big shows like, I'm not going to eat this. I'm like, you clearly will, sir. You clearly will. They'll <laughs> <laughs> just eat Marco stunt. If they get your lunch. <laughs> uh, Chris, where do you think this ranks as far as, uh, gigantic wrestling letdowns go. Where I mean, it's like uh, maybe the second worst surprise on that pay per view, but uh, <laughs> the first being Christian. But that, but I mean, if we're gonna talk, so like obviously, I I think the for me at least the biggest is the invasion. That's like the biggest like overarching horrible storyline that had the most premise. Um, and I don't think it's quite that bad because at the end of the yeah. day, like you said, we still get fucking the friendship between Moxley and Kingston. We still get to see where that goes. Uh, they're obviously going to feud with Kenny at some point, whatever. So all of that, I think, still works. We still have enough like there's enough potential that they can make it work. While as this was like a very disappointing moment, it wasn't like a disappointing. It wasn't the end. Like this wasn't me going, fuck, I'm not watching this any for six months or whatever. So it's like, oh, that sucks, but they'll get around to it. Yeah, I uh, it's it's weird when you think about the most depressed, like disappointing moments in wrestling, like like for me, when I was like growing up, it was always like Vince being revealed as the higher power, I guess, because mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted Jake the Snake or I, I don't know who I wanted at the time, probably Sting, something dumb that couldn't have happened. Um, but it's like like there's certain things like if I know like 
something is good. Like some disappointments are on me. Okay. Sure. I'll give you an example. Like before a pay-per-view, I'm actually probably the only person in history who thought the uh, dog kennel from hell match was going to be fun. <laughs> and, and then when I watched it, I was like, this sucks. But then like now looking at it, I'm like, no, Dan, that's on you. That's like, <laughs> it was Al Snover's big boss man with dogs running around the side of the ring. Of course it was going to be bad. You made that sound cooler than it was, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Opposing to like, you know, the summer, you know, uh, the fall of CM Punk, you know, the autumn, the actual season. Uh, where, where that's just more of a that's really disappointing, but it's so slow. It's almost like yeah. that's, you know, that point in The Simpsons where like the pig is flying through the air and Homer's like, it's still good. It's still good. <laughs> that's what the entire CM Punk, like right after he won the title. That's kind of what it what it felt like. Uh, Zach, were you uh, do, were you impressed by how they handled it? Yeah, I actually really liked the dynamite. I think the the Kingston Moxley promo was good. And uh Omega is a really obnoxious heel, and I guess I'm buying into that bit more and more. So, yeah, I I, I didn't mind it, and I didn't mind the pay per view all that much either. I actually, yeah. kind of like it. Yeah, I I, I I gave it a decent review. We got all this shit this week online. I want to cut a bit of a promo on the online wrestling community for a second here. Look, we're going to be fair. We just told you that we love Dynamite. If we don't think something's good, we're not. We're gonna we're gonna say something's not good. You know, like. I love AEW, but it doesn't mean I have to love every single thing AEW does. I'm just explaining to the internet why they shouldn't be the internet. I don't know why. <laughs> Dude, I love AEW. I'm waiting for my AEW unrivaled Dustin Rhodes figure in the mail today. I fucking <laughs> love this company. At the same time, I don't want to spend $50 to watch three different Dark Order teams. Yes. That's, I, look, that's fair. That is very fair. I... Uh, if we're going to talk like I one, I'm a, I'm actually kind of a dark order mark. So maybe I'm the only one in this group. But uh, if we're talking, I about, like them on BTE. Yeah, I like here's the thing they have. I think they could serve a perfectly good purpose, which is a ragtag group of weirdos that you can that people like. So you can get heat by beating them up. And then every once in a while they get a win and you feel good because the weirdos got to win. They just don't need to be everywhere all the fucking time. Um I like I don't know I like the pay per view just fine. It wasn't great. It had its moments, but like I don't know what you people fucking expected other than a better explosion. <laughs> Number two, leg slaps are out, but Johnny Ace is back, baby. Uh, <laughs> who, uh, Chris? Wh which one are you more excited about? <laughs> uh, it's got to be the end of leg slaps because. Uh, it's not even that they're that bad. They're just too much of it. Like I remember watching Tajiri matches and like that dude was slapping his leg all the time. I just never knew. I literally, as I used to think he had some sort of contraption in his boot that made that <laughs> noise when he swung his leg. That's how much of an idiot I was. So like you can slap your leg. Well, it just feels like people don't anymore. Hey, 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 if he could spit green mist and wrap himself <laughs> around you like a tarantula, Boot contraption is not a big leap. <laughs> <laughs> um, Johnny Ace coming back. What does that mean, Robert? Like you speak, you speak WWE. What does that mean? Uh, Them dusting him off and bringing him back again. That 2020 wasn't enough suffering for mankind that we want to bring Laurinaitis <laughs> back in this role. When you were you there when he was when he was? Oh on top? yeah, I was. I was there during the Laurinaitis era. I think I may have told the story before where. 
uh, Dreamer was his assistant and I was given some envelope and I was supposed to go bring it to Tommy. So I walk into the, the office, the secretary and uh, Laura and I stand is like, I need to bring this to, uh, to Tommy Dreamer. And he's standing there. It's like, I'm his boss. You better give that to me right now. And I was like, holy shit, that's a power move if I've ever seen one that I, I didn't come in and kiss the ring on a document that had nothing to do with him. Um, I think that all of the uh, talent frustration that's been going on the last little while with people complaining about uh, some of their payoffs, I think a lot of the COVID stuff, they, they wanted to bring Laurenitis back in because they feel he can go on autopilot and handle whatever is needed there. And he's okay taking the heat as the guy everyone hates. Because now it's Laurenitis is the punching bag again on a very public scale. And it'll be kind of interesting to see where this goes. Uh, I, I, I would have assumed over this time they've been grooming someone to step into that role. Doesn't seem like they have, but Bruce Pritchard's running creative and John Laurenitis is running talent relations. So uh, 2005, 2006 is back. <laughs> What's next? Edge at WrestleMania? <laughs> Christian going to another company in a lackluster debut? <laughs> uh, man, hopefully that means we get George W. Bush again. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, as far as the leg slapping, I've never really had a problem with it. I, I guess, uh, I guess if it's bad, it's, it's bad. Like any wrestling move though, could look terrible. Like I've never, I don't know, man. I kind of like it. Am I, am I wrong here, Mike? Um, I mean, I, I think Chris as the point of just the overexposure, like it's just, I, I personally, my problem is I just think there's too much kicking to begin with. That it's like I'm a you know die in the wool you know born in the '80s kid or you know late '80s early '90s. The super kick was a finisher, you know. Like if you were a fat guy, you needed three to get pinned, but you were still getting pinned. And now seeing human shrimp person Adam Cole take oh, twenty on. of them. <laughs> oh, he sucks, and I'm gonna keep saying he sucks. But this is God. this is embarrassing for Mike, oh. man. This is therapy. This has nothing to do with anything else. Sergeant <laughs> Slaughterhouse, Scotty. But anyway, <laughs> to see, to see leg slap. To see if my self-esteem was a person, Adam Cole, every week <laughs> get get fucking like kick so much and then like people having to sell his kicks like there's just too many kicks like so i think the leg slapping you're watching a lot of it because you're just watching so many kicks that it went from a finisher to a transition move to okay but what about the argument that um moves have evolved so much that it really is very simple and comes off ineffective when every other move is pretty unbelievable in a lot of matches but you know, i have wrestlers but, no. but how have wrestlers evolved when they're half the size? Well, also, if you're half the size, don't shouldn't it hurt less? So can't you just do all the kicks you want? You know, it's, it's amazing. You got both you and Mike, Scott and Mike are both so smart, but they're using their intelligence for such bullshit. <laughs> you guys are literally having the same debate conservative and liberal Supreme Court justices have. Except Dan, for you about, asked us both to do this podcast. I know. Well, 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 <laughs> you fucking well, moron. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm no better. Uh, let's get to the roast of the million dollar man and Virgil. I'm excited about this one. This one was a little sad to research, um, <laughs> but I'm still excited. Uh, Chris, gentleman's choice. You get to choose where you are in the lineup. 
What do you want? Uh, I'll just go first. I'll get it out of the way. You'll go first. All right. All right. Go for it, buddy. Let's do it. The roast of the million dollar man and Virgil. Chris Cubis. If they made a movie about Virgil's career, it would be called 12 Years a Wrestler. <laughs> Virgil looks like if Emmanuel Lewis made a wish on the Zoltar machine from Big. <laughs> WWE has a long history of racism, but when it comes to Virgil, they were right. <laughs> Virgil is a more Virgil is a more offensive representation of blackness than Akeem the African Dream. <laughs> uh, Virgil got his start in Memphis, making uh, marking the worst thing to ever happen to black people in the city of Memphis. That, <laughs> second worst, the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> Uh, Virgil was the head of security for the NWO, which is ironic because now Virgil's interactions with security comes when a guy with a flashlight kicks him and says, hey, man, you can't sleep here. (laughs) Uh, Virgil was briefly in the West Texas Rednecks as Curly Bill, which is also what he would call the dollars Pat Patterson stuffed in his G-string during his job interview. (laughs) You can get a cameo from Virgil for $69 which is a funny joke and also a reference to how he got his WOF job in the first place. (laughs) We're also roasting Ted DiBiase. So the hosts of this podcast don't look too racist. (laughs) Uh, Ted DiBiase looks less like a wrestler and more like he should be hosting a swingers party on HBO's real sex. (laughs) I don't have too much to say about Ted DiBiase. That won't be said at his son's trial. <laughs> Ted DiBiase's son was arrested for a million dollar welfare scam, which is funny because a million dollar welfare scam is also how you can describe Virgil's entire career. <laughs> Ted DiBiase is known for shoving hundred dollar bills in people's mouths. Such an old school gimmick. They tried to refresh it recently by hiring Lars Sullivan, who's known for shoving things in his own mouth for a hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's good to see that Virgil and Ted are both doing well later in life. Ted DiBiase famously uh, famously found religion, and Virgil found a Subway gift card that still has three dollars on. <laughs> That's it for me, guys. Great job, man. Thank That's you. Great, man. Yeah, awesome. Zach, uh, Zach, spin the wheel, make the deal. Who's next? Ben, you're up next. I'm up next. Here we go. Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Before Ted, the Million Dollar Belt was just another thing Vince beat Shane with. <laughs> did, did, did you guys know this? Vince used to give Ted a stipend so he could go around dropping money. The gimmick was a total work. I mean, the only time the real Ted would leave a $100 bill in somebody's mouth is if he was paying for a Waffle House waitress's abortion. <laughs> uh, back then, Plan B was, thro- was tying her up and throwing her in a river. Uh... The million dollar, the million dollar dream is both Ted's finishing move and how his lake house is listed on the police auction. Million dollar man hasn't cheated on his wife since he stopped being an active wrestler. Oh, Ted, I wonder why, man, for whatever reason, it's easier to cheat as an athlete in his physical prime than a fat guy who's occasionally recognized at Steak and Shake. Ted is a Christian that practices forgiveness, even for Awesome Kong, who went on Glow and stole his son's gimmick, the Welfare Queen. Ted Ted then went around the country doing paid appearances at churches to promote his book, Every Man Has His Price. In Ted's case, $500 that should have gone to a soup kitchen. Which brings us to Virgil. <laughs> Virgil, or as David Duke refers to him as, I rest my case. <laughs> the, the million dollar man, uh, known for his trademark laugh, opposing to Virgil, known for his trademark, if you're done with that, can I have a bite? <laughs> he did. He, he did. Uh, I don't like this joke. 
Uh, <laughs> all right. He did have a nice run beating the million dollar man of both WrestleMania and SummerSlam. You won't see a black person push like that unless it's Meghan Markle off the palace grounds. There we go. That's my Jay Leno joke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is weird. Making fun of Virgil feels like punching down and not just because he's currently sucking my dick. <laughs> I mean, say what you want about Virgil, but Cuba Gooding Jr. did a great job playing him in radio. Uh, oh, uh, Marty Jannetty used to be roommates with Virgil, but they were kicked out after someone who brought a caramel frap needed to pee. Uh, a lot of people think that Virgil sucked Pat Patterson's dick to get his job, which couldn't be further from the truth. He sucked it to keep his job. <laughs> <laughs> think about that the next time you turn your wipers on when Virgil tries to clean your windshield. Uh, sure, Virgil has a gigantic cock, but that doesn't mean shit if you never do anything with it. But enough about Mike Lawrence. He... <laughs> He only got his the job as Vincent in WCW because Godfather turned it down. It's pretty bad when the guy who forces a single mom to fuck Rikishi for food says something's beneath him. In AEW, he became Soul Train Jones, which sounds way more racist than Virgil. Soul Train Jones sounds like the name of the ghost slave Papa Buck sees when he's drinking. Old, <laughs> <laughs> uh, old, old Soul Train Jones escaped Daly's place in the middle of the night after that damn Brit Baker accused him of whistling. <laughs> His last gimmick was a black country music fan named Curly Bill. He quit WCW shortly after. You know, it's bad when you go to the booker and ask, Hey, can I go back to being a slave? <laughs> Virgil has since been reported selling pictures of him eating breadsticks outside Olive Garden. Oh, so that's what we're calling it now. What weirdo buys a Virgil breadstick photo? Well, I have been looking for a piece to compliment the picture of Shotzi Blackheart's Dookie in the mudroom. <laughs> Virgil, this is my last one. Virgil taught public school in Pittsburgh. You wonder why so many wrestlers are Republican. Why does Kurt Angle support charter schools? Well, let's just say there's a guy teaching math in Pittsburgh who thinks pie is something you steal from a neighbor's windowsill. <laughs> that was a weird joke. All right, guys, I, I probably could have done half of those. Let's be honest. Uh, next time I'm going to edit it down to five. Robert, you're up now. What was that, Zach? Rob, 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 I didn't hear you. Sorry. <clears throat> The Million Dollar Man gimmick was patterned after Vince McMahon, so Ted started to behave like Vince. He flew first class, he carried around large sums of money, he stopped having sex with his wife, and he fathered a child who was a huge disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> Ted DiBiase and Virgil would do conventions together. I don't know how much Ted charged for an autograph, but whatever it was, Virgil only charged three-fifths that amount. Oh, Jesus Christ. People claim Virgil was Ted's slave, and that's not true. Ted paid Virgil next to nothing, made him work around the clock and live in constant fear for his job, which is where Jeff Bezos got his business plan for Amazon. <laughs> Ted's adopted father, Mike DiBiase, was a talented wrestler who passed away in the ring from a heart attack. At least he died doing what he loved, avoiding spending time with his family. <laughs> <laughs> the Million Dollar Corporation had such stars as King Kong Bundy, Tatanka, IRS and Nikolai Volkov. DiBiase wasted more money on washed up talent than Dixie Carter. <laughs> everybody's got a price for the million dollar man and everybody's got a soul crushing story about Virgil. 
Virgil does not look like a healthy man. He looks like the sad trombone noise come to life. He, <laughs> he looks like he took the idea of fucking rats, literally. <laughs> Virgil was in a number of stables. He was a member of the NWO, the West Texas Rednecks, and is Vince McMahon's favorite member of New Day. <laughs> Virgil has a cameo. You pay him $20, and four to six weeks later, he sends you a custom message on VHS. <laughs> Virgil allegedly had a big dick. It was so big that when he was a member of the NWO Black and White, his dick was a member of the Wolfpack. <laughs> no, wait, that was just Conan. <laughs> Virgil is the unofficial spokesman of the Olive Garden, in the same way Jim Jones is the unofficial spokesman for Kool-Aid. <laughs> Look that up, kids. That's a better joke than this. <laughs> When someone would job to Ted DiBiase, he would put money in their mouth, which is a lot different from what Virgil had to put in his mouth to get his job. I'm certain someday Virgil will be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Custodian jobs pay really well. <laughs> All right, that's it. It was great. Scott. Fuck. All right. Uh, Virgil was a substitute math teacher. And here's a problem. If Ethan had $10 and Amy had $12, why is Virgil in the principal's office for having $22? <laughs> Ted DiBiase, great news for, uh, for fans. Ted may have retired years ago, but he is currently in a feud with the IRS and a repo man. Um, <laughs> Ted, uh, Ted left wrestling for the real million dollar belt, the Bible belt. When he gave into God, he started looking for signs. Virgil said, sign? What do you want me to sign? It's only $22. <laughs> DiBiase puts his money where his mouth is, and Virgil does too, but only because his sweatpants don't have pockets. <laughs> Virgil, was the, vote, okay, okay. Virgil was voted the saddest wrestler of all time, which is just amazing to me, uh, considering wrestlers have killed themselves <laughs> like every four months. <laughs> and everybody's still like this Virgil guy. How depressing. He's just so hard to get along with. Oh, my friend, the murderer. Yeah, he's cool. <laughs> There's a rumor that, yeah, so there is a rumor, the guys mentioned it, that he was hired by the WWE because he showed Pat Patterson his penis. But what really interested Pat was Virgil's tight, tight wallet, wallet. Mm -hmm. uh, wallet. <laughs> Virgil is a walking yard sale and everything must go. Uh, even a handshake is 20 bucks, which is a deal because when you buy that one, you also leave with his pride. That's right, folks? <laughs> Two for the price of one. Oh, so when a kid sets up a table in the street, it's called a lemonade stand. But when a grown man does it, it's called loitering, illegal street vending, and harassment. So a kid can sell you watered-down lemonade for 25 cents, but a grown man can't corner you in Grand Central Station and tell you he was supposed to feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin one time. <laughs> Virgil set up tables so Devon could break them. <laughs> He's like the best, right? Junkyard dog's dead. The other guy has no legs or is dead. Like we don't even check in on them. But Virgil is making money. He's drug free, but needs an intervention for conventions. Um, and finally, the difference between Virgil and OJ Simpson. 
is OJ's lies are justified. <laughs> right? Because like if OJ told the truth, he'd go to jail. But if Virgil told the, if Virgil told the truth, we just like him more. <laughs> if the glove does not fit, can I still sign it? And technically you put the glove on. <laughs> 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 Love if you put it on. <laughs> yeah, that's me. That's me. Oh, that, oh, that Devon right. joke was great. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So they were roasting the million dollar man Ted DiBiase and the spent his last dollar on a lotto scratch off ticket guy Virgil. <laughs> Virgil's life is crazy. He's like a cartoon character, specifically one of the ones Dr. Seuss drew that we can't talk about anymore. <laughs> <laughs> When I was a kid, I thought I'd never see a more racially uncomfortable gimmick than Virgil. And then last week, Apollo Cruz was like, hold my spear. <laughs> a lot of wrestlers like Jake the Snake and the Iron Sheik have these tragic rises and falls. And Virgil said, that's not going to be me. I'm not going to have a rise. <laughs> he was going to be in the nation of domination, but Patterson wanted him to be submissive. <laughs> Chris Jericho brought him into AEW a few times but it didn't last because he had three things against him he couldn't cut a promo he couldn't really wrestle and he doesn't co-own the Nightmare Academy with Cody Rhodes <laughs> <laughs> Virgil was complete death in the ring which is how Ted DiBiase lost his dad he tragically passed during a match in 1969 most people say it was a heart attack but Jim Cornette says he was just really good at selling <laughs> I've always been a fan of Ted DiBiase the only Christian that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame <laughs> uh, Ted DiBiase left wrestling to start his own ministry because one lie is as good as another Ted made his own championship which was priceless and then had his own son Ted Jr. who was worthless <laughs> It's got to be tough for Ted to be a proud parent. His friends are like, my son proudly served in the army. And Ted's like, oh, yeah, well, my son was in the Marine, too. <laughs> DiBiase is a lot like Trump. He takes advantage of poor people, spent years avoiding IRS, and pretends to be rich. <laughs> I should have ended on Virgil. <laughs> well, the, pro right. the problem was you gave no indication. You just said the last joke and then stared blankly at us for a while. I'm like, yeah, it's called waiting for laughter. <laughs> it never <laughs> came. Did Mike have a stroke? Um, no, that was really funny. We, we can't. We can't. Yeah, uh, the explosion at the end of the eight of a pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, I love that my closer made me feel like Virgil. <laughs> Number four, new segment called Shooter McBlabbin, where we bring on someone who actually worked with the wrestler we just roasted and tells us what they're really like. We're bringing on, uh, you know, from the King of Staten Island. He's hilarious. He's a good buddy of mine. Ricky Velez. Ricky, thank you for coming on. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. And you worked with Virgil on the Larry Wilmore show. Yeah, Virgil was. So you guys roasted him. You guys roasted. Yeah, yeah. We we just roasted Virgil. Um, not, not, not not as much as life has, but <laughs> that, that 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 doesn't feel good roasting him, right? It, 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 
It's not hey, one you're like, I got. Um, no, I got him. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't know who he was really because that was like before my time when I watched wrestling. Um, I had heard of him and uh, I was working with this other uh, writer, Jack Helmuth, and he was super funny. And uh, the idea was to talk about wrestling being racist, which it like openly is. And uh, Virgil was the guy I was wrestling in. Like Comedy Central was nervous because like they sent like insurance person. They sent like uh, like somebody that was there to like check up on me all day while I practice wrestling. And the, the minute I get in the ring with Virgil, it's me and him. I'm first meeting him. He's like, you got to sell it. You got to sell it. You got to do fake headbutts. And I'm like, what's that? And then the fake headbutt is basically your hand over somebody else's head and headbutt it. And he did that. And I clapped my teeth. Like I felt my teeth just like smack. And I was like, oh shit. Like this, 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 this is a problem. Like I have to work <laughs> with this guy for the next. <laughs> so, so it was like, as soon as this happened, you're like, oh, we didn't get the right wrestler for a guy who doesn't know how to wrestle. So I remember that episode and it's I like, knew it was a problem right away. <laughs> I remember I that mean, episode. You were really funny at it. Right away. I could kind of tell he was, like, right away, dude, he was a little out of it. Oh my dude, God. there was something up. I, You know, you meet those people where you're just like, I don't know if you've done too many drugs or you hit your head too many times. Like that's what is Vir- being around Virgil is. And it's scary. Like, I think he hit his head scary. too many times while he was doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> he hit his head too many times on the bottom of Pat Patterson's desk. Bada <laughs> 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 it, yeah. it, it was it was cool but like getting to wrestle that was like that's a different world like meeting the kids that were my age trying to make it as like they were like open open micing the 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 the, the wrestling circuit like it, it was really crazy and these guys were really out there like hurting themselves so it's like i don't know i don't see how that's like any worse than football have you did you guys like try to do like bits like 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 did you come in with a different game plan and then you left you're like okay we can't do as many things as we want oh you learned very fast with virgil you only have a few takes (laughs) (laughs) you mean you only have a few mouth guards (laughs) but like he's always trying to like you give him a line he wants to up it so he says something violently inappropriate it, it was, it was uh, <laughs> what was he saying like what did he say that you guys couldn't use there was so much man we we did two we dropped it twice well we dropped the full thing but then we showed like a bit of it and it was just like there was just so much i remember i after it like i just like I like my adrenaline was so high and he was so crazy. And then my producer passed out because like, dude, we were in a hot gym in Brooklyn. We in Virgil, in Virgil, gym in Brooklyn. Virgil's like heat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, that's the other thing of being in that, those situations is like, 
I feel bad because you're like, you're watching like these guys that have seen success come back and hang out at these like gyms and talk about the good old times. Like that's mm -hmm. all they're doing now. And it's just like, it's sad. I mean, we, what was the guy that played Mankind? He was around comedy for a long time. Right, that yeah. Was like, that was hard to watch, man. I watched him go up a flight of stairs one day and it took him some time. Like, and I was, I was like, I had a, I had an action figure of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> which, which was more posable than him. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember seeing him get into a van once uh, at a comedy festival and, that was the moment I'll say wrestling is predetermined, but I don't know if I could say it's fake because it was. I think he's. I think he's uh, still getting in the van. <laughs> well, I heard it's like he can't like. There's like he he's been hit so many times that like they can't use certain lights on him because it'll fuck up his. Like his mic. If you take a picture with him, he can't look directly at the flash in the camera. Oh so when he God. was, I, I saw him once. Uh, do do a stand up set. He invited me out, and they were, he does pictures with all the audience after. You can go one at a time. And his policy is he'll take the picture, but he can't look directly at the flash. So every picture he has, his eyes are slightly askew. So he always looks like Shawn Michaels, <laughs> king of the death match. Mm -hmm. Did he bring up how big his dick was to you at all, Ricky? Virgil, <laughs> oh, you yeah. met Mick Foley for a second. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, sure, Mick Foley's dick is great, but well, you know, Mick Foley's dick's always covered in a sock, so you just <laughs> it's wrapped in barbed wire. You gotta be careful. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say, Ricky? Uh, did, did he talk about his dick at all? Yeah, ah, shit, enough times did he bring. Yeah, uh, you're breaking up a little, bud. Uh, I think we just uh, lost Ricky. Um. Oh no, what's happening? All right, hey, oh, are you back? You got me. All right, yeah. Let's just try one more question. You're breaking up a little bit, so um, do you mind if we just do one more? You can you hear us? Yeah. All right, Mike, Robert, Chris, can you yeah, hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I got you. Okay, you. cool, cool. All right, yeah, no, I was about to say, we didn't hear that. Sorry. So, no, the last question I had was, um, did he bring up how big his dick is a lot? <laughs> he's gone. He's and he's gone. <laughs> Either right, his well, internet died or he was offended. Either way, this is, this is great way, Like, normally they edit out technical errors. I want it left in how many times Dan asked about <laughs> I will get to the bottom of this. Dude, that, uh, that's what Patterson that, said. That, man, that, that, that segment was longer than Virgil's dick. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Ricky Flez, for coming on. Apparently, uh, something horrible happened with Ricky Velez and Virgil's dick, and we'll never know. <laughs> but enough about audio issues. Let's talk about dynamite last night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, um, number five, NXT versus AEW versus getting high and watching dog videos on YouTube. You know what time it is. It's time to go through AEW Dynamite. We start out with Phoenix versus Matt Jackson in a pretty hot opening match. I, I really enjoyed it. Scott, what did you think of this match? Oh, it, was, it was fantastic. It was really, really good. I loved it. And I'm not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Robert. 
it was a fantastic match. Uh, Scott oh, wow. wasn't wrong. It was it, I, all right. Uh, every every week was I I I do like AEW. I I, I know that I I've seen some of the people on the internet who bless your hearts um, that uh, you, you take the time out of your day to, to point out how much uh, us talking about AEW, not even negatively, but just honestly ruins your life to a degree that cannot be quantified. Um, but Matt Jackson and Ray Phoenix put on a great opening match. This is what AEW should be doing. You put two incredible talents out there. You were forwarding a storyline because now I'm excited to see this as a tag match going forward. It was a, an excellent, solid opening match. So this was this was great. Uh, AEW do more of this, uh, and and slightly less Peter Avalon. Chris, <laughs> Chris, are you a uh, Young Bucks fan? Were Were you? Yeah, I mean, I watched like I am. I've been a Young Bucks fan. Uh, I don't know that they've been utilized great as of recently. I mean, they've had good matches, but I don't know that I need like their stories have been great as of recent. But like. This, like Robert said, this is exactly what I want. It's why I like this more than I like WWE's main products because they open the show with a long, very good wrestling match as opposed to a long, not very good promo. Like, I want to watch, I like wrestling because I want to watch some wrestling every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought this was uh, great. great. If we if we get a, if we get a, uh, if we get a pack match, pack match with, uh, with Nick Jackson afterwards, I mean, that'd be fantastic. Uh, next up, we talked about it in the beginning of the show, Eddie Kingston sitting with John Moxley, explaining his actions. Scott, we kind of, we all came in into agreement that they, they covered this pretty well. You know, it was, this was a real test for the promotion and, and uh, they kind of knocked it out of the park. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was, it, uh, I loved it. I mean, you know, so much of it has to do with Eddie and then it's just Moxley riding off of Eddie's energy and doing a, a fair job at it. But uh, yeah, uh, Tony's got to buy that guy a Rolex or something, you know? Cody Rhodes beats Seth Car Gar Gar Gargus uh, in a squash match. I guess uh, he's making up for the whole Peter Avalon thing. And then we get a post-match angle with Pentagon and Cody Rhodes. Uh, Pentagon gets some cheap heat by bringing up Cody's kid. Oh, that I thought it was good, though. It worked. Oh, I thought him. it was. I thought it was great. And, and and it was the most tasteful way to bring up a kid. Like in Vince, if it was Vince, it'd be like, your baby's probably ugly. You know? like, <laughs> it was also, would, it was a badass move to use the translator. And then when yeah. he got really mad to insult him on his own. I thought that was fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> also... Yeah, I mean, this is the, exciting. The, this is an exciting program. I really like this. These two working together. Uh, but, but it ends say, next week. Is the match next week? The match is next week. That's the oh bummer of, about that program. Yeah. God. I was if, gonna say. Um. Yeah. We were talking about like super kicks and stuff at the beginning. Um. That moment when Matt fucking kicks Ray and then Ray just does a kick kip up was one of the most amazing things I've seen. Mm -hmm. Like. That's like, I mean, there are guys where you're like, all right, I see too many of this move, that move. Like Ray Phoenix, like, is oh, sorry, just... Mike, I skipped over you. Keep. Oh yeah, I just no, I was gonna that... say, Ray Phoenix, like, is a guy that more than any guy I think can just get over by being in the ring. He's just yeah. fucking unreal. And I think it was really smart to open the show with just like Chris said, "Here's great wrestling." Then we'll explain. I think like. It would have been like very nerdy and overthought to open with that, you know, explanation. 
Because then it's like, it makes it feel like we're hurting the company's feelings, but like they <laughs> entertained us first and then apologized. Yeah. The the rating was, it was a dud rating. NXT and uh, AEW were, were very close this week. So I'm sure a bunch of people will look into that way too much. That's because South Park, baby. All the cool kids. We watched <laughs> AEW and South Park. That's it. Ooh, I think that the, the Penna stuff was cool. I think the, the if there is a potential criticism of this show, it felt like a Raw after WrestleMania where they reset, but they reset everything. Every single segment was brand new trajectory. So now it's Penta and Phoenix were part of Death Triangle. Now Penta's on his own and he's a heel coming after Cody. Every segment felt like something, like here's something brand new. And Well, they always do this, though, because their pay-per-views are once every four months. Right, their pay-per-views are once every four months, but it did feel like a bit of a hard reset when you could have spaced some of this out to have more of an impact. Because I don't, I don't know. think they I did really anything. Robert, it was too fresh. It was too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Rob, Robert, Robert, I'm often, Robert, I'm often on your side with the uh, the cuck from Louisville, uh, Kentucky. But I gotta say uh, this time that they still they did pay off shit. Like Penta and Cody were in the ladder match together. Yeah, so that felt yeah. like payoff. Look. The, you know, it was just, the, you know, I think with my challenge in it, with it comes in is you had Penta who basically now solidified himself as a heel. Then you have Archer who's now suddenly he's he's a heel when he's been a babyface the last few weeks. Then the segment after that, you're re, you're establishing QT Marshall is now a heel. Well, then yeah, you have we'll, we'll get into that. Then you have Scorpio Sky. Get into that fucking yeah. shit. Then you right have Scorpio here. Sky establish himself as a heel, and then you have a main event swerve. It just felt like there was a lot when these were all good stories. I would have liked to have seen him spaced out a little bit because sometimes the last few weeks of AEW, why we've been so critical of it was not a lot of stuff happened outside of like a 20 minute Peter Avalon match or the Brandon Cutler guy wrestling. This just felt like a lot, which is, which is fine, but they do have these peaks and valleys when you can map these stories out and tell them over a longer period of time, the stories they were telling overall were good. Well, one story. Oh, sorry. Go on. I'm sorry. I said one program they are continuing is uh, Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor against Miro and Kip Sabian. I guess they'll be having an arcade match. Um, Mike, we'll get to your thoughts, but Chris, how do you feel? How do you feel about Miro? How do you feel about how he's been used with this company? What do you feel about this entire angle? Man, I was really hoping that that was gonna that the pay per view was gonna be the end of that, and we would then get Miro in like a a more serious or more badass direction because he came out of that match looking like this fucking killer. And now we're going to have him smashing somebody into a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle machine. Like, can't we, like, it just feels like we already told that story and those two people could go somewhere else and like have more interesting adventures separate. I just, it seems unnecessary. Wait, wait, wait till the moment where he dances his heart out on DDR. And Orange Cassidy just lays there and somehow beats him in points. Dude, let me just say, if he fucking hits the accolade on someone and the Tetris theme gets louder and louder, <laughs> fucking unbelievable. Well, I'm going to be disappointed if they don't put graphics of energy bars at the top for all four guys. And once it's at zero, you automatically vanish. That could be fun. <laughs> They, uh, yeah. they were sitting in front of NFL Blitz in the Fast and the Furious game, which I don't know. Fast and the Furious, an NBC Universal property. Is Vince going to sue him? Ooh. <laughs> 
Okay, I, we have- I, I thought that, like, here's here's the thing. Like, this is a match they're doing for nerds. They're doing this specifically for a very specific type of nerd. But the problem is the type of nerd that will want to see an arcade match is also going to be way more concerned about the machines and the wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, look, man, you can get a dozen Chuck Taylors, but there's only so many original you know, cabinets of Galaga out there. Oh, can I, can I, 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 we skipped over this. Maybe my favorite bit of commentary of the night was Jim Ross going, you know, he trained under Gangrel. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like everything JR says just sounds like a fucking burn, man. Oh yeah. It sounds like absolute sarcasm. <laughs> it was, it, it, it did feel like very heelish of Cody. Like I lost a shack. I lost the ladder match. Just bring me a jobber. I'll I'll rent one myself. It's my company. <laughs> so I kind of like like to me, Penta, I know was the heel, but he came off like a face to me in this. Well, also you have to remember the 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 uh the baby reveal or whatever. What a uh, gender reveal? So the baby's a heel too. You remember that. <laughs> That's the- <laughs> also, I'm democratic, so you know I'm always gonna go with the Mexican in the skull mask over the blonde guy with the neck tattoo. <laughs> both both are great lethal weapon villains <laughs> so next up we have we have ethan page going uh against oh hold before uh, i'm sorry there, there was that sting lance archer that's right I, I thought we had yeah. talked about that i just man look i i just don't think archer is ready for this i know that that's man not, i agree that's, and I, also I, he has to not stand next to actually big people like he's <laughs> supposed to be a monster and sting is like two inches taller than him it just didn't like you the, the worst sting thing wears is, those stripper heels though he wears those <laughs> stripper heels yeah the god forbid he shows up next to fucking big show because that is the end of the murder hawk monster as a given i gotta say oh. sting in, inspires me potentially to to convert to christianity because he wrestled Seth Rollins, which paralyzed him, and now he's back. So first he's like, I want to wrestle Brian Cage so he can powerbomb me. Now I want to mm-hmm. wrestle Lance Archer so he can powerbomb me. Like, that is a level of faith that I don't <laughs> think is possible for a Jew like myself to ever achieve. Uh, is it on the faith other- or can, can anybody else pick up Sting? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, besides your world champion, it's like no one's picking up Sting. I, dude, Safely. I, I feel like... Jake said three words in this and they all made me cry. Like I I felt like my ears were going to get cancer listening to Jake's voice. (laughs) You know, it's bad when you're hired to manage someone, but now that guy has to talk. So you don't talk. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Well, let's get to the, let's get to the real. This was the only segment for me that was complete death. And uh, that was, Ethan Page versus Lee Johnson with QT Marshall. Um, so <laughs> they're really going to tell this Bruno <laughs> Zabisco story. I was kind of like making a joke about it. Like, oh, they're not going to like take their guys that we don't really know that well, who are mostly used in job positions. And they're not going to like recreate one of the most famous angles with two of the, w- with one of the greatest main eventers of all time. But I mean, they're going for, am I, Chris, are we being assholes here about this whole QT Marshall nightmare family? No, you're certainly not. It's, 
There is it, it, not only that, like, I, I, and it's going to come up later because Sean Spears is still around for some reason. But there are two, two people that are f- being forced upon us for the only re- for like because you own a business with Cody, like you said earlier. Like, I do not understand what QG Marshall brings to the table. I he he's not good. He in, actually brings the table. He might bring the, the table. table. <laughs> <laughs> he's he got a, a table truck. Depot. He's your friend. He's that guy who's your friend when you were a kid because he had video games. Like he's just like, yeah. I don't know. You're 100 right. No, and I mean, you know, like like this happens in New York a lot. Like you'll get to a point in a stand-up show where the guy who took your ticket gets up on stage and the guy who's mopping the floor gets up on stage and the show Wait a second, end. you're not Dave Chappelle. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's like, I don't want to see that on, on television. And also, it really has to be mentioned, and I know that this didn't happen for everybody, but this happened on my feed. It happened, happened on, on my... millions of people's yeah, feeds. Yeah. The audio issues that I guess there was some goof with tnt where you just started hearing ain't no mountain high enough <laughs> it was a and it sounded like a it was a it was an nba yeah, yeah i got a basketball game it's like, like it's like it the, was, audio, yeah. the audio rebelled against what it was watching <laughs> yeah. but the way that it the way that it sounded i've done enough shitty outdoor comedy shows it just sounded like there was a larger more good time happening <laughs> still happening in the other <laughs> I was room. Like, I want to be there. dude you say that remember um the last Starcast we did we did that stand-up show um that i think i forget i think hornswoggle was hosting or it was matt striker i forget yeah but, yeah. Like, but we did it, and right next to us in the other ballroom um, was Kenny Omega and the Bucks and Cody talking about their journey. <laughs> and it was like <laughs> packed, and everything they said, like even if it was fucking bad, would get a laugh, you know. Mm. And we're just sitting there like spitting a at like the twelve people and retro. Well, they retribution wasn't around then, but uh, <laughs> Gangrel shirts, fuck it, the Brood shirts. We'll get back. Yeah, but there's no way we were being funnier than the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kenny's pretty funny. I think Kenny's pretty funny, man. All right, well, so I mean, he's <laughs> funny, but he's no Dan. He's no Dan St. Germain doing Ric Flair roast jokes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean in a bathroom by myself, crying, <laughs> wondering why I didn't get staffed that season? All right, <laughs> next up. We have uh, we have the uh, segment backstage with Hangman Page and the Dark Order. I thought this was fun, man. I like Hangman Page a lot. I kind of want them to. I mean, I really don't want them to be, you know, working together. Um, but uh, you know, I, I thought this was kind of fun. What, what did you? Anybody have anything to add with this? Having was... worked with the Mexicals angle, I was happy to see lawnmowers <laughs> represented in a positive way. Again. Yeah, glad to see some white people ride a lawnmower on a wrestling show. That made me happy. But like, I I. I like Hangman Page a lot too, and I want better for him. But I also don't know what else you have him doing right now. It's like everybody else is kind of busy. So who does he? You know, who do you put him with? So ah, put him with these guys. You let a couple last, and then they'll you know they'll find something for him eventually. Team Taz. That's where you. That's where you take him. Uh, do you think? Yes. Uh, he, I just. I just want to see him that feuding <laughs> with or part of. No, feuding with. I mean, don't you want to see the matches between him and uh, Starks, you know? Here's, I mean, yeah. Here, yeah. Here's an overall problem with, with AEW in, in general is that since they do this whole wins or losses matter thing, what, it makes it feel like guys are jobbed out more than in other companies at times because they talk them up so much. And they also 
the like I think they should get rid of the records. That's just maybe that's just me. But when I'm watching a match and a guy comes out with you know twenty and fourteen, like it doesn't. It's not impressive. Yeah. <laughs> they just all look chumpier. I guess they're trying to like get the like get. I think it's more about like getting it across that it's a real sport. So I, I don't mind it, but I still believe in Christmas, Mike Lawrence. I was going to say, I still believe in Christian, but I was like, nobody does. (laughs) 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 All right. Next up, uh, we have uh, the segment with Don Callis, Kenny Omega, and the Good Brothers. Eddie Kingston comes out. uh, John Moxley comes out. That that all goes to hell. We've kind of already covered that. uh, But, Scott, what did you think about this? Oh, so you guys covered this part too. I, well, I thought it was really part. good. I so the internet loved the Don sixty nine me joke, and that I thought was, it was funny. That was the one thing I wasn't crazy about, but I, I liked everything else. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was a good segment, and I don't mind the Christian thing. Uh, is it at double or nothing? I don't know. Is it WrestleMania week? Well, you they're know, clearly the- gonna they're gonna headline uh, double or nothing with Stadium Stampede again, right? Well, I I, I mean I, I I don't know. It I seems like that. That seems like well, I, because now it's inner circle versus whatever MJF's faction is. Oh, I more blood and guts if things open up. Well, I mean, if things stay open in Florida, <laughs> yeah, blood and guts. What was kind of what was kind of disappointing because we didn't touch on this point before was I just feel terrible for Christian because they keep setting him up to be a disappointment. Mm-hmm. You have this great segment with this fantastic brawl, and then Christian comes out. And Jim Ross and Tony, like Jim Ross tried his hardest. They're like, can you believe Christian and Kenny Omega are on your screen? In what world is this a dream match for (laughs) anyone? This is a SmackDown main event at best. And as far as I can tell, Christian's character now is he's just Jim from the office because he just stares into the camera like, I don't know. (laughs) That's all he does. And then Jim Ross didn't even know it was his theme music, which was kind of fantastic when it's a scripted show and he has the uh, script in front of him. He's like, what's that music? And Tony's like, it's Christian's music. You heard it on the pay-per-view. Dude, that guy needs a, a team of doctors just to keep his eyes open. Uh, Britt Baker. Yeah, he goes to visit them once a month. Uh, QT Marshall's job most of the show is just hold it open. <laughs> he's got like a car jack. Britt Baker. I, I, dude, I think the Christian thing sucks, man, because there was real emotion in the Kingston stuff. Kingston was a fucking badass. When Kingston did that move of like counting all the guys and then still getting in the ring, like mm. you have like the potential to have a really fucking awesome badass baby face. Uh, then Moxley comes out. You're like, I'm still into this. Christian, it just didn't connect at all. And like the thing was that he was mad that Kenny was taking his time, but let Kenny take 10 minutes of his time. I thought that part was dumb, but all the non-Christian mm. stuff in this was good. I, I I like Christian. I just don't really like him be feuding with Kenny Omega. Yeah, what do you do? So so he's not going to beat Kenny, right? Kenny's not going to lose to Christian. Absolutely. Could you imagine if Christian <laughs> Page was the title from Kenny right. Omega? So it's not going to happen. So then what? He loses his first big feud? Why'd you bring in this Hall of Famer because, to just come because, in? And lose? Because... Because he's going to have a kind of match that all of these guys have told you he can have with the greatest wrestler in the world. You fucking losers! (laughs) He's going to beat Rich Swan and Christian and defeat all the Impact champions in one month. Yeah, that's fun too! (laughs) This is is one of those things where I guarantee you Kenny is a huge Christian fan and he's like, I really want to be able to have this match. 
it reminds me of years ago when I went to go see Elton John live in concert and I was really excited, but this was during his Leon Russell phase and he brings Leon Russell out. I love 20- Leon Russell. Leon Russell's fine, but he brings him out for 25 minutes. When you're there, you want to see Elton John. We all have to pretend like we care about Leon Russell in the same <laughs> way we have to pretend Christian is a main event talent. He's a great talent. He's better than putting QT Marcel on the show, but he's not. Oh my God! To see Christian Cage versus Kenny Omega, I can die a happy man. So, but oh, so so, what do you want them to do? Go. Oh well, it's Christian. Here's Christian. Worked for WWE think, for twenty years. Like you have to overhype. <laughs> I think letting him talk. Like I, I just don't it think that help. he's that important. His second appearance. I mean, he signed a thing, and it's it's just fine. I, yeah, I just but don't the way that the... they've built it up. I mean, technically, if... up, it's been a week since we. It's been less than a week. Scott, Scotty, listen. <laughs> listen. It, it just listen. doesn't make any sense. So it's like okay, so, it's so you said so before you said super kicks talk. You said you said you said super kicks suck. They do too many super kicks, and then you said. One of the coolest things I ever saw was Ray Phoenix get super kicked and then fly back up into an upward position and do a kick to it was one of the coolest like it's just inconsistent. But Scott, Boom. I said I said that sometimes someone could be so good at something. I even mentioned that I I said I'm sick of the super kicks, but he yeah. did it in a way that was unique. His sell of it was unique, and so that was different. My problem guys with- were all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just I mean if the, it's the, just like first off, we're probably gonna get it on free TV. I just don't get it. It's like it, they didn't even say they're feuding right away. Dude, I'm stuck here. Awesome. He was supposed to go away. This was so was supposed yeah. to be his go away, right? But now he's stuck here, so it's like, all right, well, tag him with Kingston, and then he disappears with Kingston, and then Kingston fights Omega. But my this is this is my main problem with it. You know, they did this with Sting when they have these guys come out, and the heels just look at them, and they're supposed to be impressed. Even when they're outnumbering the heels, it makes the heels look fucking stupid. Why would they be afraid of Christian? Why would they be afraid of Papa Steve? They weren't. They were gone. They were. They were all gone. It was just Kenny, and Kenny wasn't afraid. He tried to shake his hand, and then he tried to hit him. Papa Steve. And then, (laughs) and and then Christian didn't land the unprettier. Like nothing happened like that. No one was afraid of Christian. I like Christian. Um, I, I, you know, if it's a if it's a TV match, great. I, I don't know if it's a pay per view match. Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, and uh, I can't, I cannot pronounce her name correctly. Maki, Scott, do you have the pronoun- pronunciation here? I'm guessing Maki Ito. Maki Ito. I've only, I've only yes, that sounds Reddit. right. <laughs> Thunder Rosa, Ryu Misunami, and Hakiru Shida. Um, look, like Ma- Maki isn't that good in the ring, but what a great gimmick. Like, I really think that gimmick is like a is a, like a, a better Elias. Am I wrong on this, Chris? No, I agree 100%. She like and it, it was unfortunate too because like the singing and all that was awesome and then she goes to hit that girl with the microphone oh, that was and so she bad. like just like yeah. tap patted her on the head with it. So like yeah, she's green in the ring but everything else the fucking falling headbutt, all of it works. I think she's money like uh, put her in tags, hide her weaknesses, but fucking she's great. Great. I'm, I thought I'm, anyone disagree with me, Chris, on this. Yeah. No, no, I think she's great. I mean, I didn't think the match was great. No, know, but she, no. Yeah, was. but she, yeah. Also, dude, I tell you what they need to do. They need to assign a security detail for that girl because Ugh. the amount of creepy fans she is going to get it, it, disproportionate to anybody else just because mm. of the gimmick. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. And this that's is, just this is like Excalibur. Alexa, yeah. This is Alexa Bliss's like underage creepy nightmare before christmas character 
for the, for those that don't appeal to her, here's the 10 year old Japanese girl singing. <laughs> <laughs> also, do you see how many times Jim Ross stopped himself? He's like, maybe she'll be in my next book. And you're like, what does that mean? <laughs> maybe she'll be in my pillow. <laughs> but we are, we are getting our, our first ever women's main event next week, which was set up in this, uh, Britt Baker verse. <laughs> hey, they look over a year. They did it. They yeah, did it yeah, guys. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm looking for the match. I love Britt Baker. I love Thunder Rosa. I love wrestling. I have no brain. I'm excited about it. No, I'm saying I, I'm, I'm giving them credit. I shit on them yeah. for not featuring the women enough, putting them in the same slot. They're doing something different. Oh, yeah. Mike, you're going to love this too. Guess what the main event of the first ever, uh, whatever the hell, Evelation Evelate, what is the fuck is it called? Elevation. Elevation. <laughs> Can we have an elevation watch party? Do you know what the main event of Elevation is? No. It's Maki Ito versus uh, Shida. Oh my god! That was the, the appropriate title? response from everybody. Just <laughs> no, I don't stairs. know if it, I don't know if it's for the title. You have to see that, but that's that's what it and is. The, and the elevation will be in Tony and Big Show's pants. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, next up, uh, we have a backstage segment with Matt Hardy and Private Party. Anybody have anything to comment with that? We got to keep going. Scorpio. The, the one thing I'll say, I did think it was a good bit of house cleaning. That like. The, I don't like Matt Hardy, but at least, you know, Kingston's a face now, the Butcher and Blade are somewhere. So they did, they, they took yeah, care of that yeah, without yeah. having to explain it too much. Yeah, well, that, that was actually like the one part of the show that stuck out to me as something that was like, ah, you just do that. It, it kind of makes them look like chumps. Uh, but also, yeah, you could justify it in a, hey, they, they got to go make money. Uh-uh. But, but also, they are chumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything that keeps me from having to watch Matt Hardy walk, I'm fine with. Bums me out he so does, much. He walks like a girl who just fucked the great Kali. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Scorpio Sky versus Darby Allen. I thought this was very good. Um, you know, the, the heel turned by Scorpio Sky at the end. I still don't know what the character is, heel or face. I like Scorpio Sky. I, I think he's really good in the ring. It'll be interesting to see you know, where he got, goes, does he eventually end up in MJF stable? Maybe he takes Sean Spears' spot. Wink, wink. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> Chris, what did you think about this match? Uh, I thought it was awesome. Uh, I actually really liked the match. I think I think uh, uh, Scorpio Sky is a clear heel at this point. If I'm not mistaken, he did go yeah, down yeah, the, he's, he's the heel. heel tunnel. So, like, I thought that was all cleared up. I love the uh, suicide dive into the cutter. Uh, I'm glad somebody finally countered the fucking coffin drop because as much as I like Darby, like you should be able to counter a man throwing himself at you blind. Like that should be something right. you can figure out. But so, yeah, I thought it was great. Um, anybody uh, have anything to add to this match? This was Good. great. And yeah, I mean, they like because they started doing those packages for Scorpio a couple months ago. They just have to be consistent with their characters. If you're going to feature someone, if you're going to do a heel turn, just feature them more even if it's like a season thing of he's on every week for three months or something but it's just i i think this guy can be an upper talent it's just you got to give him a chance because the match was great yeah the match was great and, and i will say this uh an issue with scorpio for me is his personality he was on commentary last week just man just lost uh but when he became the heel in this match uh, and he made that face at the end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is what he was supposed to be. You could see it in his face that he's going to have way more personality this way, I hope, than uh, the other way. Yeah. And uh, 
Well, I'm sorry, what? I was going to say, do you think, like, I mean, because it's interesting, a lot of guys where we're like, oh, they were missing something, and then they become heels, and we like them, like Roman, and, and Lashley, and Scorpio, and Britt Baker, like, do you think it's, like, a part of it is that it is just easier to have a direction and purpose as a heel? No, I think it's just that Milton thing, you know, Satan's the most interesting character in literature, it's not, you know, there's just more you can do with a heel, I mean, that's my first thought. Yeah, and faces in wrestling act like church friends. They don't act like real nice guys around. <laughs> they act like very, you know, Mormon. Yeah, they, it's, they it's act not fun. Yeah, but that's why Darby works as a as a face because he doesn't act <laughs> like a baby face. But he goes out there. He took a great ass kicking from Scorpio's guy, and he he bounced for him. He bumped for him. He made Scorpio look like a legitimate threat. And when Scorpio lost, it was from a, a fluke roll-up. And it that propelled Scorpio Sky forward. Darby as the TNT champion doing this, pinballing for guys, is great. And I think that's where his his use is. My hope is once Miro's done with whatever stupid storyline he's in now, he goes after Darby. Because I think Miro and Darby can put together a really great story. Yeah, I, I really like Darby. But my only... My only problem with this character is he's always like, he's like, I'm tortured. My uncle was drunk. It's like, well, my mom's an alcoholic and I don't wear fucking face paint. So what are you talking about? Anyway, that, in that's... public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his uncle's an alcoholic and he doesn't host a wrestling podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I, like, I, I, I offered myself as an example of mental stability, but yeah, just <laughs> listening thing, listing things. <laughs> All right. All right. Our, our final segment of the night. Dan, you listen to podcasts where it's just an old man saying the word murder for an hour. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, I love Cornette's podcast. Next up, uh, <laughs> MJF and uh, and the inner the segment between MJF and the inner circle revealing a new heel stable. I love this stable. I thought this was just fantastic. I got goosebumps. I said, "Oh shit!" My wife asked me, "What's up? Are you okay?" I told her what it was about. She paused for a while and went to bed. Uh, but I <laughs> I love this segment. What did you think about this, Robert? Let's start with Robert. All right. Um, I obviously I love Max. I'm I'm a hundred thousand percent in the bag for him. The segment was the greatest thing that made absolutely no sense whatsoever. If you took even a half a step back and tried to explain this to somebody and say, okay, so the inner circle knew that MJF was was going to screw them over, so they laid this trap for weeks, but Max knew that they knew that he was going to do. So he recruited his own stable and had them ready on the off chance in this segment, they were going to turn on max. And then the other stable shows up. It makes zero fucking I sense. I think it's an off chance. I think no matter what they come out. And so it's like, if they turn on Jericho, now Jericho is alone because they turned on Jericho, but no matter what, it's like, it's just going to be Hager and those guys get beat up by those dudes. It's like, no matter what those guys get beat up by them, I think. All right. Well, Scott Alvarez made a good point there that uh, this made perfect sense. And I'm, I'm very, well, I'm I mean, no, no, but I'm excited. It makes to see sense. Where, like, I, it doesn't I mean, make it, it doesn't really, it, it, it does. really doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, it's kind uh, of what, well, Robert, let me push back on one thing. Yeah. I, I do think, it does. I do think that like you can, you can say in this time, you can say in this timeline that Sammy Guevara, like that, that really was, you know, a betrayal. And that was really him leaving the group. And, you know, and then as they went along, then they started talking again. They brought up the texts. Uh, 
look, I know that I look like I'm selling like a house that doesn't have a floor in it, but <laughs> I, I really don't. I really it made sense. I didn't bump up. Scott, Scott, maybe you can express this better than me. No, it's just, it's just, it, it was, it was fine. I mean, my biggest issues were like, again, it's like the technical issues. It's the fact that the lights are out for like way too long and whatever that organization is, is very annoying to me. Things like that is, are what bothers me. The fact that everything kind of feels like it drags, like that's what they got to work on. But I think the story is really cool. And yeah, so, so my question is though, what is it? So is it MJF and the Four Horsemen? Is it? Oh, MJF's the- flair. Exactly. Right. So it would be MJF and the Four Horsemen. Yeah, it's MJF, right. the Four Horsemen, and Sean Spears is their QT Marshall. <laughs> well, the, the reason that you need Sean Spears there is because you need that segment where MJF kicks somebody out. Because we still haven't had that yet, and he's made for that. He's made for that role. Yeah, which will happen James the night after the pay per view. They brought JJ Dillon back last week to be like, and now Tolly will be this guy. Right. <laughs> I my my big issue with this, I had one major complaint which is that throughout a lot of MJF being in the inner circle, Wardlow has also been in the inner circle. And if they're doing an inner circle war council, which is what this was, and it's all of the members, then Wardlow should have been there from the beginning. That That's a fair point, but it's a wrestling show, there. so I have to suspend disbelief. Yeah. Chris, what did you think of the segment? Uh, my only issue, I, I thought it was good. I liked everything except Sean Spears, like everybody else. My only, I just thought they could have, and maybe I've missed it in, in previous weeks, but it felt like there was never, I never got the vibe, like there was no hints that uh, MJF was leading towards his other circle. It feels like they could have laid out some breadcrumbs so that when you get the reveal, you go back and you go, oh yeah, if you look at it this, you see these little hints that actually make sense. It just feels kind of, out of nowhere i like the surprise of it but it felt like they could have kind of led us into it a little more but i thought yeah i'm excited to see where it goes all right let's get up to the march 10th edition of nxt we start out with william regal announcing the women's tag team championships and uh, there will be a match tonight against shotzi blackheart and uh ember moon ember moon thank you so much he he was like well since you lost uh chance at the titles last week here is your own (laughs) 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 fucking stupid he could have he also could have said tag champ like i watched it today and he goes and so you are the women's champions but tag champion. Like, yeah, maybe put tags in the first time dude i don't know man I, i i i wasn't i was okay with the logic i wasn't like Look, I mean, I clearly they're just pivoting, pivoting Gonzalez against Io Shirai and they didn't want the titles on him for that long. Um, but, you know, I I don't know, man. I kind of want to see Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez have a longer run with those titles. Dan, Dan, you're saying they didn't want the titles that they gave them that night on them for too long? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't give them to them that night. So, yeah. <laughs> or just well, say what that do you the- think the reasoning is? Is it like, is it one of those like to make you because now they lost it. Like, do you think, cause no one cares about who the first winner of the title is, but them losing it might be more newsworthy. I, I don't really get, I, I'm just wondering why they did do that. I think so. They can say that our first women's tag champions were Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, which hmm. nobody really is going to care about, but then in giving people titles means nothing. It should have been, we're, we're bringing out these titles. We're taking these two teams that I think were the finals of the uh, dusty cup. And you two are going to compete later on tonight. And the winning team is the inaugural tag champions. 
that makes sense. When you hand somebody a title, it makes Regal feel like a heel. It's like, a, it's what Bischoff did with Triple H. It's, I've created this title and I'm just giving this to you as a gift. Didn't, it just didn't work. Yeah, it's only good when the person's pregnant. Regal should have said he was pregnant. So here. That is the worst William Regal impression. Of <laughs> <laughs> he sounded like Skinner. He gives birth to Tajiri. <laughs> All right, next up we have uh, Io Shirai versus... Tony Storm, I I love this match. I think Tony works great as a heel. I, there was parts of me that kind of wanted her to win, but uh, you know I think they made the right choice. Anybody have anything to add before we keep going? No, EO EO's great. That was good. I, I want her to keep it for a long time. All right, sweet. Uh, we have um, next up is. God damn it, my guys! I'm going through Wrestle Zones like recap, and sometimes it like skips one. So, so. I, so I, I got my notes up just. Thank in you. Case. Hey, uh, Finn Balor cut a promo promoting the uh, the main event and and basically talking about how you know this is this would have been a, a takeover main event, but it's happening tonight, and I'm going to kick your ass, Adam Cole. I don't care if Mike Lawrence hates you. <laughs> Next up, we have. Uh, wait, 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 wait! Why would he say I don't care if Mike Lawrence like? I, he would be on my side because we both want to see his ass kicked. No, he wants to kick his ass regardless. He's not doing it for you. He doesn't oh, give okay. a shit about you, Mike Lawrence. <laughs> I got you. Jake, Jake Atlas versus Pete Dunne with Danny Birch and Oni Lorkin. This is a good match. I, I didn't really do much for Jake Atlas, unfortunately. Oh, I also skipped over. I'm sorry. LA Knight had a... Uh, that's had a fine. promo where he yeah he announced he's going to be wrestling next week. Bronson Reed fought him. Okay, we had the tag match. What do you guys think of the the actual tag team championship match, Scott? Yeah, thought it was fine. Thought it was good. I mean, the, my issue with th that tag division specifically is like it's some of the best matches I see all year. Um, so there's high expectations, but but I did like it. Yeah. All right, Caden Carter versus Ali. Um. Man, uh, that that segment's so crazy. The the gimmick with the old Asian ghost. I don't know what it's supposed <laughs> yeah, to be. I, as someone who doesn't consistently watch NXT, uh, there were a couple things on this show where I went, "What the?" When those astronauts came out, I went, "What's happening right now?" So like, it is weird to jump in after a few weeks, but uh, right. as even as weird as that like old Asian throne person is. It's cool and like that's, it a, that's looks, the weird thing. It, it's a it weird... looks cool enough, so it's fine. Like I'm still like I'm interested. It's it's so weird with like wrestling and like like uh like race or culture stuff because they're either so wrong or like yeah, I think it kind of works, and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dan, 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 Dan and me were talking about Apollo Cruz, and I was like, I mean, if it was his choice, I'm okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if I, someone oh, no, else asked him to do it, I don't I am very nervous. Do you, that that <laughs> beer gave me big Saba Simba vibes. I am very nervous. Well, it's also, it's like, when you look at where it was in week one to how far it went to, like, soldiers or spear, but at one yeah, accent, yeah. but all they, three? They should three. start calling them the last king of SmackDown. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next up, we have the Grizzle Young Veterans versus Legato Del Fantasma. Uh, this was all about the interference and setting up MSK uh, versus Grizzled Young Veterans, uh, which I guess they're gonna. I guess they're gonna hold off on MSK challenging for the tag titles. Just well, they yet. have to. One of them's hurt, right? Well, one of their hand, mm -hmm. hands is hurt, but I'm wondering, like, so they're gonna fight the Grizzled Young Veterans instead? Like, 
Yeah. I don't know. So yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, may, but there's a there's an Imperium angle with I, I like this angle with Tommaso Ciampa and, and Timothy Thatcher. Um, anybody have anything to add on that? I mean, I, I just think it works. Uh, story, you know what? They're finally getting to the idea of we need to tell stories in NXT and not just have wrestling matches. So sometimes they're hit and miss, but at least the Imperium story, there's a reason for it. And the Imperium promo and then the Thatcher promo, hey, there's intrigue for the match next week instead of just here's going to be a cool match next week that you know they're going to deliver. So it's it's them trying. Yeah, I thought I thought it was uh, it was really good. And our and our main event, Finn Balor versus Adam Cole. They had a they had a really good match. It wasn't my favorite of their matches. I, I liked the uh, the NXT final. I mean the uh, championship tournament final better. Um, but again, we set up you know much like the uh, tag match. We set up O'Reilly and Cole, and we set up uh, Cross and Balor. What did you guys think of this main event? Loved the main event. I I liked I liked the. So, um, I, I did like the camera angle thing. What did Finn Balor say? He's like, what took about, you so long? What took you so long? And then they, they kind of pan out and you go, well, that's weird. Cause that wouldn't work if, uh, <laughs> but if like fans were there. Yeah. yeah. But, so, it, but so, because fans aren't there, I was fine. Yeah. You're not used to it, but they're taking advantage of the fact that there's not fans there. I thought that was really cool. I like when NXT does stuff like that. They do it here and there. Um, Kyle O'Reilly's outfit was uh... <laughs> that was great. I love the Metallica shirt. You like he it? Is, he is so derpy, man. There's no other word. <laughs> the face, man. He's it's like, like he a was like very a very good wrestler, but that face just screams like I don't even know. That face is very like uh, that face uh, screams something that I could get canceled for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I have been beaten up by that guy a lot in high school. I worked with a lot of guys like that in McDonald's. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that is a very Davy Florida look for him. Uh, his, his tiny one man gang cosplay outfit that he came yeah, out. Yeah, the outfit don't work, man. His yeah, he looks like. He's like in the West Memphis Four. Like that's who. <laughs> he looks yeah. like he'll stop being your friend if you don't finish the Trailer Boy Park Boys quote that he starts. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, Kyle O'Reilly looks like yeah. White privilege is real, but not with him. He doesn't have it. He doesn't. That face. He does not get privilege with that face. No, uh, that face looks like he was Amish and decided to go to yeah. the real world, and that's what this. That's what we've got. Yeah, he's, he's also getting followed by CBS loss protection. Yeah, you know? He's going from heel to maybe face. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! All right, maybe Mike. So, Mike, uh, Mike, you don't you don't get high, so you can't really answer that. But NXT or AEW? No, I was going to say what I love is that these are getting more specific and into your life. Okay, so is it uh, Dynamite, NXT, or listening to a Springsteen song while you shit and cry at the same time? <laughs> so NXT is your doll of shitting. I'm going to go. I mean, I, look, like they didn't have my boy Cameron Grimes. Like, I, I, I've been watching NXT more since I've been doing this show. I didn't watch it as much. And I'm a big Cameron Grimes mark. He ain't on the show. I, I would rather a Cameron Grimes two-minute appearance than a 20-minute Adam Cole match. That's me. I know that's only me, but that's what I want. He wasn't there. So, automatic AEW. And I also loved a lot of AEW. So, dynamite all the way this week. I'm going to go with Dynamite 2. No surprise. Chris? 
Dynamite for me as well. I, I thought NXT was a really good show. Like I enjoyed the wrestling. I thought it was, you know, it was smooth. a really good show. Any it was a very good show, show for sure. But show. I was just more into the stories on AEW. Robert. NXT was a, a great show. It was a fantastic last 30 seconds, but AEW Dynamite from beginning to end, I said a lot of stuff happened on this show, but you know what? Just about every segment delivered. And mm. when something like that happens, you realize when Dynamite gets it right, they really get it right. So I'm going to go with Dynamite. Scott? Oh, Dynamite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, because it, it's amazing to like, on Sunday, be like, I gave them fifty dollars, and already on Wednesday, well, I guess I'm giving them another fifty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> like, right. the, the, the ratings did go down. That's the only thing. I mean, not that, yeah. that I give a I shit about give that, shit, but yeah, yeah I don't but, really but it's like it. they're upholding their end of this very abusive relationship. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think definitely AEW. Uh, I want some feedback from our fans. We're thinking about changing because NXT is going to move to Tuesdays. Like, why not have the comparison between the two A shows? So why don't we compare Dynamite and that last week's SmackDown? Let me know what you guys think. Uh, tweet at us or or let us know through Patreon. If you're a patron, let us know. Uh, we, we, it would be great. Number six, show in hell. Uh, each week, uh, Chris, and I'm sorry. First off, Chris, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> something from the internet that's either... Uh, either hilarious or horrifying, or in this case, both. And that is Caitlin versus Maxine with Ooh. Michael Cole and uh, and Josh Matthews doing commentary. What did you think about this, Chris? I walked out part of the way through just like Michael Cole did. It was... <laughs> How great was Cole in this, though? It was kind of great. Oh, Honestly, great. the commentary made this passable. It was obviously terrible, but, like, I thought, you know, I had fun. I was very stoned, so it worked for me. <laughs> Uh, Mike, you were the one who uh, picked this for us. So, yeah, this is one of those like you go on, you know, wrestling rabbit holes of looking at the weirdest shit. And I remember like this is this is the moment you could watch Michael Cole in this and understand why Vince will never fire this guy. This is the most Vince, someone who isn't Vince has ever been. And it also, <laughs> it really is a massive achievement like that you can watch this and see how far along women's wrestling has come in the last couple years. Like, I mean, it's amazing. I watched NXT and then I watched this. So to see NXT with three mm. women's matches, women's tag, that awesome, you know, Io Shirai, Tony Storm, and then to see this, and this is less than a fucking decade ago. It's like, you got to give the company credit. But I mean, dude, giving fucking Alicia Fox and Vicky Guerrero live mics, like giving anyone, giving any two managers live mics in that situation is already a recipe for failure. My favorite part about this match, and I can, you know, I've been desperate before in show business. Josh Matthews <laughs> just wanting Michael Cole to say, I love you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, he, he's kind of okay with like, the dude's Josh on listens impact to our show, now. by the way. Hi, Josh. <laughs> yeah, but the guy's on impact. Like, you know, it's like, he, he, he even knew what he'd be seeing in the future of shitty wrestling. But like, he, he very much is like, Papa, can you hear me? Like, he, he just wants Cole to be like, that'll do, Josh. That'll do. Well, the thing about this is like, I love Michael Cole. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm not, in this, in this segment, I love Michael Cole, but I'm and, and in my head. I'm like, Oh, he should just be like this normally. And I'm like, no, 
we shouldn't. This would be, <laughs> this no. is only fun for me. Like if he actually did commentary for an entire show, he would ruin a promotion with this character, but it would be a blast to listen to. Robert, what do you think? He did. And it was not. The problem was <laughs> on this segment, this is wildly entertaining because this is to peel back the curtain. This is Michael Cole. This is not Michael Cole playing a character. The guy on TV who's excited to be there and is really thrilled about the uh, seeing, you know, the big dog. That's Michael Cole playing a character. <laughs> the guy who's taking a phone call in the middle of this and wondering what went wrong in his life that this is what he's doing. <laughs> this is Cole. The problem was this was so entertaining. They made this his raw character. So he shit on the entire program, which you realize you're burying your entire company. And that was where you got his feud with Jerry Lawler. This is where you got him overselling the Miz and it just wore out its novelty. If he would have just restricted this to the NXT on WWE.com show. Great. The problem was it was entertaining in small doses and Vince doesn't do small doses, which is legitimately why he said he couldn't do cocaine because he was worried if he started doing cocaine, he was going to do all of the cocaine. This Michael Cole character was all of the cocaine. Scott, what he, did you think of this? He hired Jake the Snake Roberts, so all of the cocaine would be gone. <laughs> well, he, he told Renee Dupree that I can do as much cocaine as I want. Scott, Scott, this is a real quote. At least it was a Renee Dupree stupid interview. I, I, you wouldn't believe I was married through some of my anecdotes. Scott? <laughs> Okay, sorry if you hear that. I think there's a fire across the street. Mm. Uh, if you hear fire trucks, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, like Scott is in a documentary about police brutality. Like, <laughs> <laughs> outside of Scott's window has better explosions than AEW. <laughs> <laughs> so, the the commentary is so funny. Uh, what no one mentioned is the fact that the audience doesn't get to hear the commentary. And no lie, I've never seen this before. They're, the entire audience is facing sideways <laughs> with literally one foot towards the exit. I've never seen. You can see everyone's eyes shift back and forth from the exit. And it's not like, oh, we're leaving. But it is certainly, oh, we're going to the bathroom. Because if anyone is a fan of old wrestling, one, the women's match is when you went to the bathroom. And this is, well, there's no two. It's just, this is definitely. <laughs> well, it's also, it, but it's NXT in like 2000. What, what is this? Oh, 2011, yeah. 2012. And, and, and I, this, think, I think this was 2010. It was 2010. Oh, wow. And this would have been filmed. I mean, this would have been filmed after a SmackDown, right? That's when they did NXT. I guess. And then the idea is like Alicia. Like those fucking comic strip late night spots. <laughs> yeah, no, man. <laughs> Alicia's like training them. Alicia and who else is it? Vicky. Yeah, which you go. Okay, yes, this is also why this sucks. You know, the, the, it, the most over character, the most over character in this match is Caitlin Sweatshirt. <laughs> There's so much talk about. Yeah, they bring it up constantly. <laughs> she borrowed it. Uh, I just love it when Cole's like, "This is the worst thing I've ever seen." <laughs> you know, you know what I think really fucking helped the the women's division in a way was Total Divas in the sense that they're like, okay, so uh, some of our women uh, are going to be too busy filming this e show. I guess we got to hire some wrestlers too. <laughs> and then they did. It's awesome. All right. It's time for Robert's segment. Creative has nothing for you. But before we do, let's advertise the Patreon. Yep. This week we are going to be roasting Teddy Hart. 
Uh, it is a roast I am actually legitimately nervous to do. Uh, <laughs> You're fine. He's in jail. It's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, they don't have internet in jail, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, but should... he's, is he in Canada jail? Because it's probably easy to get hooped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Canada jail is nicer than most of our real apartments. So uh, it's just it's just Jacques Rougeau in his Mountie costume. <laughs> Um, no, but uh, Teddy, we will be doing the Roast Teddy Hart. We also will be reviewing SmackDown, uh, but you can only check out the Roast at Teddy Hart if you become a pa- Patreon member. So patrons, uh, enjoy. And if you're not a patron, become one. In we, our- made it, we made it $5 a month, so Teddy Hart can't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Super fast Teddy Hart story. A friend of mine texts me one day because he knows I'm a wrestling fan, and he's like, I'm at the Cricket Wireless store trying to get my phone turned back on. <laughs> and this guy appro- comes up to me and he's, like, he's telling me how he's a professional wrestler and he's just in town for a little while. And he says, Hey, do you and your girl want to come out to my car and smoke some weed and look at my cat? And I was like, oh, I already know who the fuck this is. So, but I was like, oh, text me a picture. Can you send me a picture? And he just sends me a picture of Teddy Hart from the neck down in like mismatched, in a mismatched jogging suit. So the pants don't match the fucking jacket. And he's just holding this giant cat. And I was like, oh, man, of course you friend at him at the fucking cricket wireless store. Good job, buddy. <laughs> Your friend's like, oh, aren't you jealous? And you're like, no, no, no I'm going to run, run is what you should do. <laughs> Yeah, if, if, if you're in WWE, you endorse Cricket Wireless. If you're Teddy Hart, you go there to shop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Robert, uh, you actually work with Teddy Hart, and you got a story for us. Um, yeah, well, the Teddy Hart story is going to be on the Patreon on Sunday, because I've got a couple of uh, a couple of fun ones for that. Oh, the, okay. This, yes, the story today was for, was for the uh, the million dollar man Ted DiBiase. Oh, I apologize. We, yes, yes uh, since we since we were we were kind of mean to him before and very mean to Virgil. Uh, I figured yeah, I, would just I, tell- I was about to say we were way more mean to the guy who just like has struggled than yeah. we were to the guy who's clearly a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so Ted was on the, the the writing team with me on Smackdown and bless us and I was super excited because I grew up a million dollar man fan like that was one of my favorite wrestlers growing up this was such a cool moment for me to get to to work and, and meet uh, Ted and Ted was a little slow on the uptick and you kind of realize that the million dollar man character was very much a character and we'd be in the writer's room pitching ideas going you know back and forth really fast and after about 15 20 minutes Ted would just look up and say I think we need a strong main event. We had nothing to do with what we were talking about. I think we need a strong main event. So one day where I'm riding in the car, it's uh, Ted who insists on driving, myself and another uh, writer who's asleep in the back. And we're sitting and writing. I'm like, this is kind of cool. I'm sitting here one-on-one with DiBiase. I'm going to get some cool stories. And he just turns to me at one point and just goes, so you're a Jewish fella, huh? Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Uh, and we're driving through Texas and like there's nothing around. So for two and a half hours, like being trapped with a Jehovah's Witness, Ted tries full court press to oh. try to figure out why I how he can convert me to Christianity. So part of me is kind of like, this is a nightmare. And part of me is like, this is kind of cool. Like he's not it's not going to work, but it's like I'm getting a, a promo from from Ted DiBiase. And it was getting uncomfortable for a while and he's just kind of like well what about this and and aren't you worried that you're gonna you know you're gonna spend all all of life in hell and i'm like i already work for the wwe i think i'll be fine but the it was i was kind of dovetailing and then i finally just as a joke i'm just like you think when jesus came back he hulked up 
And DiBiase <laughs> immediately does the full-on million-dollar man laugh and, um, and completely redeems himself. And he oh, became awesome. my childhood hero once again. So I that mean, is my... He, as much as we shit on him, he seems like a nice guy. And he's... He's, 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 a, he's a very nice guy. Yeah, uh, and he's and a I, really I talented felt, wrestler. And I always felt bad because he, he has the million-dollar belt. And he brought it in. But there's no belt extender, and he's too heavy to wear it. So he can only keep it around his shoulder. But when they made his... Oh, this is the last thing. We made his, 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 his autobiography... The picture on the cover that he didn't know they used was him with the WWF title around his waist. And it's one of the only pictures of it that exists when he never actually held the title. And he was really upset about this, that it was this misrepresentation because this book is all about his redemption. And he's like, people are going to see this and think that I believe that I was really WWF champion. Like that was what he was so upset about because at his core, he's still a wrestler. <laughs> I mean, here's, here's the thing. We are a generation of wrestling fans that watches more shoot videos from 10 years ago than wrestling from 35 years ago. <laughs> like, like between the five of us, there wasn't one Mid-South DiBiase joke. Yeah, yeah. He was like a fucking star there because we haven't seen it, but yeah. we know all I did, No, I watched, I watched uh, the angle where uh, they gave him like four pile drivers, the funks. Yeah. Yes, or the coal miner's glove uh, on a pole. With, with Duggan or it's just that stuff wasn't televised across the board and it exists yeah. now on the network until Peacock comes in and fucks it up. But uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's not the, that's, that's not what solidified us. And because so many of the guys we grew up with are dead, like any opportunity to, to interact with any one of them, it's the closest you're coming to meeting a real life, you know, comic book character. For sure. It was also, but Ted had like this whole long arc and, you know, Virgil was with Ted and then he wasn't like, <laughs> and then he was Vincent for a little bit. Like, it's just a lot. Of, I, I think in terms of like writing jokes, it is easier because like, I just don't know as much about Ted and also embezzlement punchlines are hard. Yeah. Yeah. I thought my million dollar dream lake house joke deserved more, but uh, number uh, eight, uh, Scott's new Japan. And by the way, you know, all Ted was doing was trying to get you into heaven, Robert. Next up. <laughs> Everyone's got a Christ. Everyone's got to pray. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I'm the million Bible man, and I always get my way. <laughs> you know, I, I was watching shoot interviews last weekend, and first off, the Teddy Hart shoot interview is fucking crazy because i think he breathes three times in a two and a half hour pace. <laughs> it is just like the micro machine guy and he like tells you he does not give a shit he'll tell you anything um but i was also checking out like no joke like nobody had anything mean to say to middleman out of man except for sid who was like yeah he just he fucked a bunch of fours and fives that was <laughs> it that was like his whole thing the other thing about wrestling is that Another guy won't judge you for cheating. They'll judge you on who you cheated with. Yeah. <laughs> Number eight, it's time for Scott's New Japan Corner. Scott. Oh, shit, fools. All that's going on in New Japan right now is the uh, New Japan Cup. Is anybody watching it? Anybody? Anybody? Listeners? I have not wow, seen it. Wow, not yet. even I them. I have not seen it. <laughs> oh, it's been good. Uh, so advancing so far as of today, uh, Evil has advanced. Toriyano is still in it. Goto is still in it. Shingo Takagi still in it. Suzuki is still in it, and he is fighting Kenta on Sunday. So it's going to be Suzuki versus Kenta um, because Kenta is also still in it. Jay White's still in it. 
Tanahashi's still in it. Yoshihashi, David Finley, Sonata, Nagata, Zack Sabre Jr., and Will Ospreay. And Saturday morning, it's going to be Shingo versus Goto. Oh, no, Saturday is also Suzuki uh, versus Kenta. And Gazoontide. Uh, is, is there ever going to be a storyline where, where Evil's a good guy? But then he was. He, turns, he, was he, he was turns heel, and it's like, why did you betray me? And he just goes, because I'm evil. <laughs> that's kind of what happened. That's that's kind of what happened. That was, their, that was their big angle this summer. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was the big one. Um, also, Sunday, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. is fighting Will Ospreay in the uh, – in, in the in the cup so i have thought they were the same person for the last eight years. oh hush your no. mouth <laughs> number nine who had the best year ever as a promotion i'm going to start out and say the standard answer which is wwf 1997 if i could really answer it'd be 1997 to 1998 that entire uh year from you know basically from uh from Brett, from the Montreal Screwjob to Rock winning next year, that would probably be storyline my favorite year in wrestling. Uh, Action-wise, probably New Japan 2017, 2016, some sometime around then. But you know, I'll, I'll still have to go with you know 1997, 98 because that's what that's what made me a wrestling fan. Chris, uh, yeah, I mean, I so creatively, I don't know. I I'm gonna say a weird one, maybe 2000. I really like was looking back through it and you've got the radicals over now and you've mm -hmm. got all that like uh, edge and Christian Dudley uh, Dudley boys, like all that stuff. It's like, that's a run for me that I really, really enjoy. So that year for me, I think maybe, uh, but you're right. As far as like, obviously those late nineties years are like formative for a lot of people, but man, that 2000 for me is a run. They, uh, they had, a, they had a good run that old WWF Mike. I'm going to go a personal one for me. Maybe it's not the best overall, but 92 is my like chocolate ice cream. I could just watch shit from whatever, just, you know, Bobby and gorilla having fun. Like, I mean, the, the rumble that mania is awesome. The fucking heel as Jake. It's, it's a great, great time. Um, Brett becomes uh, your champion in the latter part of the year. They're building new stars. It's, it's, it's the beginning of a transition of like leaving your kind of like roidy guys for your more work rate. And there's like lots of characters they just throw at you. Some stick, some don't. Oh, fucking the Wembley Stadium show mm -hmm. is just one of those like amazing things. It just felt like they were doing a little edgier stuff. They were taking some risk and it was, it's a cool year for me. Not a bad answer in the lot, Robert. So I went, I took the question a little differently and, and my answer mm. was ECW 1999. Okay. And the reason why I picked that is EC, I grew up loving ECW, but this is the year they were, they made national They made national television on TNN, which is crazy to think about that. They were this little, you know, promotion out of Philadelphia. They made it on national TV. You have a national action figure deal. You're creating a video game that's going to be sold in stores. You're running actual pay-per-views and actual buildings as opposed to wrestling in, you know, bingo halls and armories for the most part. And I think that that rapid ascent for ECW was such an incredible amount of success, especially when you consider that a lot of the talent that they had was fleeing. And they were still able to find all of this success because Paul Heyman can make, you know, roadkill into an actual attraction on a show. 
So I think in terms of the best year ever as a promotion, Mm -hmm. the level of difficulty that they were dealing with to the success that they had, I would say ECW getting that that national and international platform because they actually had to pay-per-view in Canada because it was, I think, the first one that Lance was on and they were selling it uh, for that. So that would be my uh, my answer based on that criteria. Shout out to Lance Storm, friend of the show. Scott. Okay, action. New Japan 2017, you're right on that, Dan. Uh, that was an awesome year. Really, really great year. Um, for me... WWE, it's got to be uh, 2001, and now I know that's also when they bought WCW, right? But yep, it was the, it was the, it was the first time to me it felt like they ruled the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the best WrestleMania they had. Yes, it was headlined by Austin and The Rock, but every other match felt like what was coming for the future, and they were all amazing. Angle, Benoit, uh, the TLC match. A month before any other three stages of hell match with Hunter and Austin, yeah, which yeah, is unreal. Just, it, I it, think 2000 is a better year of television week to week, but 2001 is a better pay-per-view year. year. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's it fair. just it, it felt like, it, you know, they won, and that's what it felt like. And it wasn't old yet that they won. It wasn't, oh, no, this is a monopoly. This is the only show in town. It was, holy shit, a company just became – you know, um, huge. And, and it, had all the, it did it. have all the best moments as a fan because not only did they win out, they bought WCW, which you never thought you were going to see. They bought ECW, which you never thought yep. you were going to see. Uh, they they were the this massive juggernaut of a company. And it seemed like this ride's never going to end. You had a Super Bowl commercial and the stock, we're all going to get super rich. You know what it's like? It's like how this year they made record profits and every couple of weeks you hear about all these new huge deals and that's amazing. It was like that, but you saw it on Raw. Like you actually saw the results (laughs) of these things happening play out live. It's not just like, oh, why is the show worse than ever then? And they didn't have to fire Zack Ryder to do it. My only, (laughs) you're you're right too. My only problem with 2001 is the invasion. And I came up earlier previously, which is, in the uh, my biggest disappointment was like that storyline is such a failure that it's hard for me to pick 2001 as like a best year like from just as a as a fan but no you're totally right on all those points so chris the the thing about the invasion though there are a lot of sneakily really good matches that happened during that the the overarching disappointment of it plus in 01 they had to do that weird pivot post 9 11 to make kurt angle a super baby face yeah yeah and, but also, I, I got disappointed twice, I feel like, watching The Invasion, because you get the initial, like, oh, they're not, they're not getting any of the big stars. But then I got over that. And I'm like, oh, we got Booker T, we got DDP, I'm okay. And then ECW gets involved, and Heyman cuts that awesome promo. And I'm like, fuck yeah, this is going to rule. And then they're like, no, it's just going to be Stephanie instead. And then it's like a second level of disappointment. So The Invasion hurt me, is what I'm saying, in my heart. And I, I will quickly say, if you 9-11 haven't... is my least favorite wrestling angles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't know, they paid Stephanie... it off in the end. We got Bin Laden. <laughs> who had a conclusion. It was yeah, a great yeah. story. The Rock was involved. It was great. John Cena announced that we got him on a <laughs> pay-per-view. <laughs> That's How true. is this not the best wrestling angle ever? And Stephanie cut the best babyface promo of all time. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if you guys haven't seen uh, NWA, uh, Jim Crockett Promotions 1989 is a pretty fucking fantastic mm. year of just like going back pay-per-view to pay-per-view. That's the, the Flair Steamboat, Steamboat stuff. Yeah. And then leading into Flair Funk. That, that shit's 
unreal. And, oh, that's great. You can watch that on the network. Yeah, for Nap two more for, weeks. For a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and then you have the great Muda coming for the first time, and like that's amazing. Yeah. Zach, uh, we, we're a little younger than us. Do you? What, what year was your favorite as a fan, or your, your you thought you're the best year as a promotion? Uh, well, I, all the right ones were set already. Right. But, uh, I'm gonna give a couple quick shout outs to 2005, 2006 TNA for having. Uh, hey, all right, you, Zach. The triple threat. Samoa Joe, Christopher mm. Daniels, Daniels, AJ Styles story. And what you're saying is when I was on creative, you preferred watching TNA. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Zach. No, what, what, what he's saying is that he's excited to see Christian become champion. <laughs> <laughs> well, then for an angle, then that was that was my big WCW moment growing up. Like I was because I wasn't old enough to understand the WCW stuff. So. Uh, See, the thing is, I was I was a few years older than you, Zach, and reading the stuff about why Kurt Angle left WWE, I felt like I was enabling him to watch him <laughs> on TV. <TNA. laughs> well, he's yeah. still alive. Um, yeah. Oh, wait. Hey, we got to announce who we're roasting next week. I think well, you're we... going to go, oh, wait. No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's hey, a sure. news. Breaking news. Ain't a cool Scott, news. Scott, it's a two-hour podcast. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> um... We Checking are going to, case. since we took it to a Christian this week, next week, we're going to take it to a Jewish guy. That's right. We're roasting Goldberg. So uh, everybody uh, tune in. It's going to be a blast. Nothing Bye. we say will be meaner than what Ted DiBiase said to him in a car ride. <laughs> number, number 10, our mark out moment of the week. Um, I've got a couple. I mean, I love the whole MJF. I built my own faction i loved uh the sammy metronome line on smackdown it was just a really short throwaway line he said to the referee where he said what are you using a metronome i just thought it was <laughs> such a fun old school heel thing to say but my favorite moment is i'm gonna give a shout out to conrad thompson is i'm getting a i'm getting a free four horseman jacket so like when i saw the jacket that i'm about to get in like six weeks i was like oh my god i can wear this around and now that I'm married, I can wear the stuff I really want to wear, which is all like wrestling merchandise. I mean, my wife will eventually leave me, but I'm going to have a good couple, two years there where it's going to be pretty cool. Scott, what was your mark at moment of the week? You know, I'm glad you asked me because mine also involves uh, an article of clothing. Uh, when Kenny walked out, uh, that, uh, the, uh, that shirt, the barbed wire deathmatch shirt, I loved it. And then I was so mad that I couldn't buy it because of the fucking botch. And then Moxley mentioned it in the promo, and I said, okay, I get it. I'll buy it. Thank you for giving me the approval. And you know that's what that was. That was him telling everybody they can go ahead and buy this uh, sweet, sweet shirt. Wait, 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 Scott. Were you afraid that you were going to walk through the suburbs of New Jersey and people were going to laugh at you and be like, that match sucked, man. Yeah, yeah, I really did. <laughs> hey, man, you know, if anybody you know knows only... barbed wire death matches, it's these people at this deli I go to in Passaic. Scott, there's only one Scott where you live. You're fine. <laughs> if you're okay with it, no one's going to say anything. <laughs> Mike, what was your mark at moment of the week? Um, I got my, my AEW Unrivaled figures uh, came in from ringside. And a, a dark what a bunch of sad fucks we are, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, We're all like, my rough. toy, my toy yeah. came in. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, well, it was either that or, or I, I mentioned it a bit earlier, but when, when Kingston 
looked at the four guys and sized them up and then still walked in the ring. I thought that was just fucking awesome. Hey, what about him? And maybe you guys said this earlier when I wasn't here, when he punched him and Kenny uh, laid there kind of like Eddie was knocked out (laughs) on Sunday. That was great. That was like a great little moment. Yeah. Uh, Robert, what was your market moment of the week? Uh, so I, I, had, I had a few. I had the "What took you so long?" line. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, th- there was one. There was a moment during Raw. And I think we that all was enjoyed. Great. It was a moment during Raw we all enjoyed in the uh, the backstage where uh, Riddle was talking to New Day and says that he wants them to come over and, and play video games and bring Reginald so he can make French toast, which was <laughs> such a weird non sequitur. And then my other market moment was the uh, the Apollo Crews segment on SmackDown where you're just watching something like a slow motion car crash where I can't believe this made it onto, onto television with the accent and the soldiers and the spear. And they thought, what did you this say? Is a- he had Eddie Murphy's accent and coming. Yes, to was, <laughs> I just watched coming to America with my wife, like the night before. And I was like, this is because that's Vince McMahon is frozen in the eighties where he thinks <laughs> this is hip and cool. Which he just is why- saw the first one when the second one came out. Yeah. <laughs> but that's also why the NXT show coming up is called Stand and Deliver, because he just saw that movie and the, the entire <laughs> roster is gonna take the SATs. You, you think Santos Escobar is gonna have an Edward James Homo's character? <laughs> I'm pretty sure they could probably get Lou Diamond Phillips at this point. How much could that cost? <laughs> Not much. Chris, what was your mark out moment of the week? And thank you for doing the show. Uh, Chris, you can check out his podcast as expert advice. Thank nope. you. Still no, bad that, advice. Still bad called bad advice. advice. Damn it. Was called that at the beginning when you Damn fucked it. it up the first time. Still I, also called wanna, it now? I, well, I also want to put Chris over and say he does a, he is a, this really awesome, uh, this really awesome service he does where he gives uh, people in need free red beans and rice. They look delicious and it's an amazing thing you do, Chris. So thank well, you for doing it. Thank you very much. Yeah, so if you're in Austin and you need a free meal, we sign up. She goes up on Tuesdays. We deliver on Wednesdays. Oh, I'm sorry, on Sundays. That being said, my mark out moment of the week. Talking to you, Virgil. <laughs> to, well, you need a house to deliver them to. That, the, uh, the, uh, um, uh, I have a couple. I, I really, the um, uh, Scorpio Sky countering that suicide dive into a cutter I thought was fucking awesome. Uh, but then also in the uh, Eddie Kingston Moxley promo, when Moxley was like, what took you so long? And he was like, come on, man. It's always 1998 in my head. I had to look good. I had to get my fucking Timberlands on. That really fucking, <laughs> that worked for me. So yeah, that was my moment. That was great. And you know what was great in that promo too was, it was such a great thing. And he's like, but he's like, the title does strange things to people. Well, yeah, yeah. They got right <laughs> past it. They just one line. And it was, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, check out Chris's podcast, Expert Advice. This <laughs> son uh, of a bitch. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else uh, you, uh, you can promote, sir? No, I'm at Chris Cubis on all social media. And again, bad advice with Chris Cubis, wherever you find podcasts. Ch- check out his stand up. He's great. Uh, Mike. Yeah, man. Thanks for doing the show, Chris. Uh, you can find me, MikeLawrenceComedy.com and uh, Mike Lawrence Comedy on Instagram. Robert. You can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. And uh, I was going to say, buy the shirt. We don't have a shirt yet for Wrestle Roast, but if yeah. you're feeling nostalgic and want to get the Total F and Mark shirt, it's well, still available. What you do is you take the Total F and Mark shirt and you set it on fire. And that's a <laughs> Wrestle Roast shirt. Scott. Send us the video. Scott, uh, follow me, Scott underscore Chaplin. Uh, on all social media and also listen to my other podcast garbage days with brennan sagalo uh once again we will be roasting goldberg next week teddy hart will be on our patreon uh hey new new listeners or old listeners leave us a five-star review leave us a review in general that would be uh 
that would be totally awesome. We've got some amazing roasts coming up. We got some really, really fun stuff. We may have a special guest next week, but uh, it's Christian. No, it's not Christian. Um, <laughs> I don't think he should do our show. He used the word Christian. special, so. Oh, come on, damn it. The roast part's over. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so it could be Kyle O'Reilly. <laughs> uh, all right. All right, Dan. So, uh, Dan, you can check out my website, danstgermain.net. Where I've got uh, I've got a bunch of albums there. I'm doing a gig in Iowa at the end of the month. Um, and uh, thank you guys for uh, supporting the show, Zach. What do you got for us? Wash your hands. Oh, one last thing I want to say is next 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 uh, week's show in hell. We are going to revisit one of my favorite gimmicks of all time that never gets enough credit, and that's Mike Awesome's Fat Chick Thriller. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> gimmick in WCW. We're gonna oh. we're gonna check that out next week. Oh. All right, guys. Uh, Rose to Goldberg and uh, Mike Awesome next week. Have a good one. Bye.